Well, it is good uh, to be with you, and you know, today uh, we're we're beginning a series called uh, "One Another," and the we're going to look at the one another statements. There's a lot of them in Scripture, um, and we're going to kind of spend some time and really kind of focus. You know, our primary focus is, of course, on the Lord, um, but also we have a focus on this community who's sitting to our right and to our left, and. It's interesting, you know, my, my wife, so she is the one leading worship, if you're not aware of that. And um, this morning she was over here and um, she came off the, the platform and sat down next to me. And I, you know, I noticed she had kind of pulled her monitor out and stuff. And I was like, you know, what was, what's the deal? What was going on? And uh, first I gave her a high five, told her how amazing, you know, a job she did. But, um, but she said, you know, she's like, I, I wanted to hear the congregation. Because I don't know if you noticed today as well, just to hear the voices. And there's something about when you hear God's people together singing praise to him, to, the, to our Lord and Savior. There's just something that's really, I don't know, it's you. I'm just excited. I kind of want to go back and just keep singing. But, uh, but you're stuck with me for the next little bit. But, um, but just want to encourage all of you. You know, I hope you've been encouraged already. I hope your hearts are, are in a place to receive God's word this morning. I uh, just want to say again a, a special welcome to anyone joining us for the first time and for those online as well, uh, a big welcome. We hope you're uh, just kind of sit back and relax and just receive what God has for all of us today. You know, I, <clears throat> I oftentimes uh, mention, you know, I pull a lot from my military experience and things like that. And I know for some, some of you that's foreign, you know, maybe you just not, haven't been around that. But I think you'll, you'll be able to identify enough with this, maybe if you've ever seen this before, but... One of the things that was very, it was kind of challenging to learn initially is, you know, we do everything in formations, right, in the Army or the Marines or whatever. We move in formation, but we even run in formation. I don't know if you understand the amount of coordination that it takes to move that many people at a speed of, of, of running together. Now, I mean, if there's a fire, we don't get into formation and run away from it. It's just get, get out, right? So, um, but when we do like our physical training, our exercise, we do that in formation. And there's just something I think that was really neat when you get in there and you're, it's early in the morning, you're not always in the best mood. I don't, I, don't, I don't love running, again, unless something is on fire or someone's chasing me, trying to kill me, I don't want to run. Um, and so I would get there and you, know, you get into this formation and it's still dark outside because it's that early. And, you know, you kind of start marching, and then you're waiting for that signal for us to, to move to, to a double time, to, to run. And once they say that, then you start moving. But then what you find, though, is there's something about being in that formation that kind of spurs you on, that kind of, you know, I'm not alone in this. I'm not running by myself. And especially, you know, we, the way we do it in sync is we do go uh, with something that's uh, called a cadence, and that helps us to run uh, in sync. And so there's something about, you know, running together, I think. You know, I know there's some people, and I've been there too when I'm out running by myself, or, if, you know, that was a while ago, but, uh, and you get those moments where you just kind of take it in and you're kind of with, you know, even with the Lord kind of in some, some, some cases. But, um, but there's something, though, about, I think, in that group and how it lifts your spirits and you know that, you know, you're not alone, that you're together. And even when you kind of feel tired or want to drop out, the rest of the group kind of spurs you on. And, you know, there's, a, there's an old proverb that says, when you run alone, you run fast. But when you run together, you run far. And, you know, I think about us and, and as, a, as the body of Christ and as a church, and I, I just, I love that, that imagery um, of, of us being together and running together uh, in what God has called us to. There is, of course, you know, our, there are elements that are personal with our relationship with the Lord and things like that. But God has designed us to, to do so, to walk this life out in community. Amen. 
And so, you know, that's what we're going to kind of be dialing in on. And, you know, we ask this question as we begin this idea and wherever your mind's at when you hear this, this phrase, one another. But, you know, the reality is, is, is we need people. And why do we need people? Uh, one, it's safer, <laughs> right? I remember some of the places we would run, and it's like, I would not want to be out here by myself right now. It's in the middle of the woods, and, you know, and the sun's not up yet. And so it's just nice knowing you're in that group. You're, you're, you're safe, so to speak. It's safe. It's supportive, right? We encourage one another. We, we, we know we're not alone. We're not running by ourselves. It's just smarter, right? I mean, you just follow the person in front of you, and you're going to get to where you need to go because somebody knows kind of where it's going. And lastly, it's, I have, it's, just, it's scripture, right? The, the word of God, God tells us that we're supposed to walk together, run together in community. We're supposed to run with one another. And so, you know, God, if you look at even back at the very beginning, he designed us to be in relationship. Do you realize that? He designed us to be in relationship. First and foremost, when Adam was created, was he by himself? No, right? Who was with him? His creator. <laughs> yeah? So he was in relationship from the very beginning. Adam was in relationship, but then also God recognized, you know, where he says it's not good for man to be alone, and so he created Eve, and there was that first kind of horizontal relationship, if you will, where it's the relationship this way, so relationship with God, the creator, and relationship with the person next to him. And so we see that is, is so key and so important, yet I think sometimes if we're not careful, and again, this is especially the case in Western culture because we're so, we don't understand the family dynamic, right? Once you're kind of at a certain age, you kind of go out and start your life on your own. You have your parents, your aunts and uncles. Now in the South, you get a little more maybe tightness. But all in all, you start your own family, right? And, you know, in other cultures, you don't get rid of your family. You know, you, you, you marry, but that person kind of comes in and you're still meeting with parents on the weekends, with mom, you know, you're going to be at mom's house on a Friday or Saturday for dinner or something as a, as a huge extended family, right? And so for us, if we're not careful, I think we can almost become too individualized and we lose kind of the sense of, of even, you know, what God tells us for the church here, for the body of Christ. And so there, you know, throughout the New Testament, there are these statements that remind us of God's design when it comes to relationship, especially the relationship between Christ followers, which are, are us, you know, the church. Now, oftentimes, depending on what translation you, you use, in the, in the, the New Testament, there is, is a term, and it's, it's alelon, alelon. Can you say that with me? Alelon, alelon. It's fun. It's a fun word to say. But that, in, in a lot of translations, that's where they get that phrase, one another. Now, again, they, they, it might be translated a little differently, but the, the Greek word is still the same. And the interesting part that it's used 100 times in 94 New Testament verses. So can we all agree if it's used 100 times in the New Testament that it's a significant word, <laughs> right? And so we're going to kind of, that's why we're going to take some time to dial in on this. 47 of those verses... So 47 of those 100 times provide instruction to the church directly, okay? So for us as a body, this is giving instruction for us. 60% um, of these come from Paul. And so there's, there's, there are all these instances in the New Testament that this word shows up, this term shows up. And so what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to kind of, some of them can kind of be grouped together a little bit. Otherwise, you know, we're not going to preach one a week for 100 weeks, 
Uh, we'll be here for a minute, uh, and I don't know that you want to maybe do that for, for a couple years. But, um, but what we're going to do is we're going to kind of group some of those. Uh, and when I keep saying we, myself and uh, Pastor Santiago will bring a couple of those messages as well. So, you know, today I want to just kind of, we're going to kind of do our first grouping. And, and sort of the umbrella that we're going to be working under today would be the umbrella that we would call unity. Unity. And I want you to pause for a minute and just kind of let your mind go. What, what do you think of when you think of the word unity? What, is, what does that mean for you? Or what picture in your mind do you see when you hear the word unity? You know, working in unity or walking in unity. Like, what, what does that look like? And maybe, you know, maybe you don't have anything to work from. Or maybe the examples that should be there maybe haven't worked out really well. But that's where I want us to be, though, is, is in this, this umbrella of unity as we approach these one another's today. <clears throat> So we begin today, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans chapter 15, and we're going to move around the New Testament a little bit today. Uh, I think the scripture will be on the screen, but I encourage you, if you have your, your Bibles or your phones or whatever you're using, um, to please follow along if you can. And, you know, we begin with this idea of, uh, of this first one another, and it's, it's basically be, be of the same mind and accept one another. Be of the same mind and accept one another. And you know, that phrase, be of the same mind, you know, what does that mean? Well, we're going to just chat about that for a second. <clears throat> so Romans 15, beginning in verse 5. Now we're reading from the NIV in, in this, this passage here. It says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for this morning. Thank you for every person here, every person watching online. God, I pray that our hearts are, um, again, just prepared to receive uh, what you would have for us. And again, Lord, that we would take that, that we would um, just let it land, let those seeds land on good soil and take root. And God, that it would, again, bring change where change is needed in our lives. And God, we just thank you for the privilege to sit under your word this morning. And all God's people said, amen. So again, here we have this idea in, in, of, you know, being of the same mind and accepting one another. You know, uh, the, same, or the same attitude of mind toward each other, it says, that Christ Jesus had right? That Christ Jesus had. Now, have you, I mean, if you stop for a moment and think about the people that Jesus was hanging around, <laughs> right? I mean, you're dealing, just the disciples alone were an interesting group of people, weren't they? Not necessarily the most polished bunch, uh, not necessarily the brightest bunch in the world, were they? Because they couldn't really get some of these concepts. They couldn't get a lot of what Jesus was teaching. I mean, here you have the Messiah teaching you. You would think probably on the first shot, maybe, they might have a, a, get an inkling. But it's just funny how they still, over and over, would be coming back to some of the same places because they just couldn't grasp it. And, you know, Jesus was hanging out with, with some of these, these folks that, you know, maybe were on the fringe at times of society, but the beauty of it is, is that when it says, you know, we're reading here how we're supposed to have this attitude of mind toward each other that Jesus Christ had, what did we see from Jesus towards his disciples? We really saw this, this depth of, again, of, of acceptance. We saw this depth of love. We saw this depth of, you know, even patience, right, and grace being extended to them as, as he walked them in. And so... Again, you know, this idea of being of the same mind, 
that Jesus Christ had, what is that saying? Is that, well, you know, for all of us here, for those who profess Christ as Lord and Savior, we, we need to be, again, of, we understand that we're of the same mind and we're challenged the way that Jesus walked with, with these, these men and women as well that weren't quite getting it, right? And so, again, seeing that they were walking in grace towards one another, he was walking in grace towards them. And, you know, it, it springboards us really into that, that second part that there's two actually one another phrases here of accepting one another than just as Christ accepted you. Now, some translations will use the word welcome, and, you know, sometimes I think that term maybe falls a little short. You know, welcome is okay, but I think accepting is, is huge. Um, one, one scholar, he, he says that, you know, he, he, he takes this word that welcome or whatever, and he just doesn't, says it doesn't work. And he says it like this. He says um, that, that, that he, he emphasized, this gentleman emphasized that the point and, and he refused such a word as welcome, all right, this, this scholar. And it says that he reminds us that acceptance is never easy, right? Acceptance is never easy, but also that we have been accepted. And this, that sentence right there, like, really just struck me. <laughs> because, you know, as a, as a pastor and, and, and pastoring a, a, a body of Christ, some of you are easier than others to pastor, just keep looking at me. Just keep looking at me. It's like, is he talking to me? Is he talking to me? Did he look at me? So I'm not making eye contact with anyone right now. But some of you are easier than others. But yet, you know, it, it convicted me. and It brought me back to that place that, again, what, what's saying, you know, just as Christ accepted us, we are to accept other believers. Meaning, if I say this oftentimes when I, you know, we've had some interesting people marry into our extended family. And I always tell my wife, you know, once they walk down the aisle and say, I do, then they're in. You know, it's like good, bad, or ugly, we've got to work it out, right? And before that, I mean, I'm going to say what I think. I'm going to say, <laughs> express some concerns um, even to that person. But once they walk down the aisle, once they say, I do, well, then we're stuck together, right? We're stuck. And, you know, I think a lot of times that we need to be reminded of that with the church, that if somebody is a genuine follower of Christ, if they are a believer and a disciple of Jesus Christ, whether you like them or not, you guys are stuck together, right? And you can either make the best of it or you can continue to whatever, you know? And so this is very challenging, I think, as we think about this, about accepting one another, you know, accepting one another, especially other believers. But it's, it's important that we do so. Now, it doesn't mean you got to go out and grab coffee every, every weekend or, you know, get together at night and, and, you know, go out and do something fun. But it does mean that we have to respect and accept one another as believers. Do you understand? Okay. I'm going to hold you to it. Y'all nodding at me. And so I'm going to make sure that it happens. But, but again, it's important, though. And I know it's not always easy. But it's just, I want you to think about that and, you know, how we view other people and, and make sure that we are accepting those that are in the body of Christ, which then leads us to our next one, another uh, statement, which comes from Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4 and verses 1 through 3. And it says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, again, this is uh, Paul writing, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called 
with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now again, you know, this is important for us as a church, and this is something I know that I don't naturally, I'm not inclined to do this well. Because what it means, and I, I just, again, I go back to that picture of Jesus walking with his disciples and this idea of bearing with one another. Another way you could say it is tolerating one another, right? He, he bore, he walked with the disciples. He walked because he cared about them so deeply. And so, you know, I want to encourage us and challenges us, challenge us as a church that we are truly bearing with one another as we walk out our, our walk with the Lord, as we walk out our time here on earth together, that, you know, whenever there's maybe like a little hiccup or a misunderstanding or something's done one, one side or the other of a relationship in the church, you know, that, that we're committed to walk it out with each other, that we're, able, we're committed to walk it out and to figure it out together. Because that's what God calls us to. That's the example, and that's what we're being kind of shown here in, in, in Ephesians, is this idea of bearing with one another in love. That means when the other person next to you is, is going through a difficult season, is going through a hard time, we're not just going to walk out on them. Even if they're having a hard time relationally with you. You know, it's a lot like a marriage, right? I mean, you need to you stay committed. You work through those things, and you get to the other side of those things. That's, that's the idea. That's the picture. And, and so we're together as the body of Christ, and we are, want to stay committed to walking it out together, right? Whenever I do marital counseling, you know, the two things that, I, that always I look for when I, I have a, a platform that I use that kind of gives me quick feedback, but the two things that crush and kill a marriage, let me just give you this freebie, is... There's two areas. First is conflict resolution, and the second is communication. Those are the first two. So I have a, a thing of, of 10. I have like 10 areas that we look at. Those are the first two, and if those two are, are low or one of those is very low, typically the marriage is in, is, is in trouble. Because you think about it, if you can't resolve conflict in your marriage, how are you ever going to resolve anything or want to be together, right, if you're in, always in conflict with that person? And then on top of that, if there's no communication, let's say you're great at resolving conflict, but your communication's horrible, how are you going to ever be able to have that conversation with one another to be able to resolve that? And so the same is, again, with, with us here in the body, you know, it's that idea, that, that thought of walking things out. Even when things aren't maybe in a great place, how do we move through that? How do we deal with church conflict, as we call in love? And so we, we work through it, we tolerate one another, we bear with one another, and we do that in love because that's the way what Christ does with us, amen? What he modeled us. So we tolerate one another. We bear with one another. Now let's jump into to James chapter 4. And again, remember, we're all under this, this umbrella of unity today. So make sure you're keeping that in mind. So while we're going through, I know we're kind of moving around the, the scripture a bit. And a lot of times I like to preach just through a book or a passage. But today we're just kind of want to take this sort of theme of unity and the next one that it brings us to is in James chapter 4. And we're going to see that God also calls us not to speak against one another. In James 4, 11 and 12, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers and sisters. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? So again, we have to understand, you know, what we say about one another matters. 
What we say about one another matters. And what also matters, too, is who you're saying that to. Because you don't know, like, you know, when we we get into our little holy huddles, as I'll call them, and we start talking about somebody to to pray for them, um, it's, it's not a good place, right? It's not a good place. And, you know, we have to understand, we have to know when to stop, and we have to also hold each other accountable. Like, hey, what you're saying right now, you, it's, it's probably not really good. You probably should go to that person and speak to them. And, you know, God is call, calling us because if we go around speaking evil about one another, then what do you think that does in the body? You know, you ever seen the little telephone game and stuff, you know, where you whisper one thing, you whisper one thing, and Lord only knows what you're going to get by the end of the thing, right? <laughs> And so, you know, but, but stuff like that travels very quickly, doesn't it? It's called gossip. Yeah? And so, you know, understand that, again, we have to think about, and we're, we're instructed by God through the Scripture to not speak evil against one another. You see... Instead of the divine measure of judgment in the word of God that we see, you know, God is judge, right? Slander against your brother or sister in Christ establishes our own measure and finds if we find a brother or sister lacking, then this is, this is what it comes down to. And this, again, man, if you're feeling kind of right now, I felt the same way. But it comes down to this point is that we determine that they are worthy of rejection, we determine that what that person is doing or what my thought is, you know, then I, I have the right to reject them. Now, again, when somebody's in sin or somebody's doing something wrong, I'm not, we're not talking about that right now. We're, just, we're saying that for whatever reason you have a difference with a person, rather than trying to bring that to resolution to resolve it, you're just going to go around and kind of murmur, right? And you somehow have judged them, again, and that your rejection of that person's worthy. Now, again... For me, and I hope for you, we have to continually come back to where we were when Christ found us. Were we worthy of rejection? Yes. There's, we are not good, any of us. We're not good. God saved us from where we were, in spite of us, in our sin. He saved us. And so... We need to be reminded, always coming back to that place of the fact that we were first loved, that we were first accepted by Christ. And so how, out of that, we sh- how should we treat one another? How should we love one another? How should we care for one another? And again, in this case, not speak evil against one another. And then it goes even a step further in Galatians chapter 5, 15, verse 15. And so we move from, again, just speaking about one another, and it says literally this one is, do not destroy one another. <laughs> Do not destroy one another. Galatians 5.15, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, right? Watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Now, I don't know if some of you are smiling because you're probably in this picture like, I've never bit anybody that I know of, right? But... Think about how harsh in, in the picture that the, the language is presenting here. It's for a reason. Right? These, these terms and this imagery is, is not being used just kind of random. You know, all three verbs here that Paul used to describe, again, this unholy, uncivil war on one another, biting, devouring, being destroyed, 
They were axioms commonly used in Hellenistic Greek to suggest wild animals engaged in a deadly struggle. Right? So you watch National Geographic, and again, I love like those shows, but I always I kind of don't like when the, they just like, you know, you see like a lion and hyenas, and it gets, depending on how much they show, it's not really something super fun to watch. I mean, it's, you can imagine. And it kind of fits that scene, doesn't it? This biting, this devouring, this being destroyed. That's kind of what, it, what this imagery is presenting, and it's supposed to, because basically Paul is presenting, this is what happens in the church. <laughs> this is what happens in the church. And if you've been in the church for a minute, especially if you've been in different places, and maybe you've experienced this. I have. People that would say they're brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and what they do is just horrendous and horrific. I've touched on it briefly, you know, where we were at the church, the church we were a part of initially in the Middle East where we were, you know, it came to the point, it was, it was horrific. Where I mean, the pastor was receiving death threats. And you think you got a bad here? Like, <laughs> it's a whole other level. That was, then that was not from the outside, that was from inside the church, from Christians. And, you know, again, this, this, this passage and even this imagery, as I, as I allowed myself to kind of go back to those moments, and I'll tell you this, you know, the, the, the worst, I mean, there were many, many, I could go on for a whole long time about everything that happened over there. But one of the worst things is that how, how, how broad it went. So basically, the testimony of the church, here we are, you know, we, we serve the risen, risen king, we, we're, we're united in Christ Jesus, yet here's this, and it went beyond, like, it went to every area of the, like, all the country knew about what was happening at this church. And let me ask you, what person of, of any other faith, whether they're Muslim or whatever, would want anything to do with a church? Because we're supposed to be the representative, we're, we're the body of Christ, right? You look at us. This is, this, is how it's, this is how it works, because we have Jesus. But yet here's this ugliness coming out, and you talk about, again about this devouring and biting and being destroyed. It was, it was playing out right in front of us. And so we have to understand, again, what that does, what that does to the witness, what that does to, again, what God is trying to do in the area. I mean, God will move in spite of us if he, if he well, oftentimes he does, not if he needs to. But the, the impact that it had I mean, I literally, I would talk to people that I knew outside of the church. They weren't even believers, and they knew about what was going on. So again, this idea of destroying one another and this imagery is very strong, but very, very critical for us to understand that that's what can happen if we start down this path. Two more one another's I just want to touch on today, again, under this umbrella of unity. Galatians 5, <clears throat> 24 through 26 says, those who belong to Jesus, to Christ Jesus, have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. <clears throat> Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. <clears throat> Verse 26, sorry. <clears throat> let us not become conceited, <clears throat> or provoke one another, <clears throat> or be jealous of one another. 
Again, this is something critical for us to understand about provoking or being jealous of one another. <clears throat> when we see, when we look around the body of Christ and we see, you know, people doing different things or, or you know, we see what we would call maybe successful, whatever, in the, in the ministry here, we have to be aware and make sure we're always checking our hearts. And I hope that's not the case, but I understand too in a group this large, it, it happens, right? I find myself, you know, you talk about comparison as a pastor, you're always kind of like, kind of like looking around a little bit at other churches or maybe what we would call successful churches and what we're doing compared to what they're doing. And you don't want to get into that. You just want to be faithful to what God's calling you to do in your setting, in your context, right? You know, I mean, we are what God has designed us to be. <laughs> just like, you know, you think of a, a football team or whatever, you know, you're, you're not going to send uh, an offensive lineman, in most cases, out as a wide receiver, right? You have different roles. And some of these running backs, they're like these tiny little guys, it's, it's hilarious, but they go out there and they're, they're super successful because they know their role, right? And so, you know, this idea of comparison, and it's so, if you do not guard against it, church, it can creep in so quickly. It can creep in so quickly. We are supposed to have an awareness of one another, but not in the sense where we're comparing ourselves to that person. Why? Because, you know, best case, you're thinking, and I say this, you know, you're, that person's better than you, which is not good. Worst case is you're thinking you're better than that person. Well, I don't, I don't act like so-and-so over here. I'm better than that person, so I need to be, I'm doing okay. That's not where our measure is supposed to come from, is it? <laughs> our measure is Christ. And I'll just give you a clue, that's an eternal process, right? It's forever, we're always, you know, we're always working towards that, moving towards that, growing, becoming more like Christ Jesus because, again, you know, he's, he's perfect in all his ways. And so that's our measure. He is our, our measure, not the person next to us. And so, again, we want to understand that, not to provoke or be jealous of one another. Some of you know um, John Stott, again, a theologian, and he writes this about this, this passage. He said, this is very, a very instructive verse because it shows that our conduct to others is determined by our opinion of ourselves. It shows that our conduct to others is determined by our opinion of ourselves. And so again, understanding, and again, you always have to see it in the, in the, in the, in the picture of who, who God is and how he saved us. Because when we constantly come back to that place, and again, I always want to make clear we're not, we're not bound by the past, right? God set us free. That's the promise. That's when we come to Christ. He sets us free from those things. But do not forget what Christ brought you from. Do not ever forget that because that is what keeps us understanding and we're able to minister because when we see somebody else not living right or acting right, we remember what God saved us from. And when you come into that situation, it's from a place of, hey, I know right where you are. <laughs> I've been there. Now let me walk with you as we walk with Christ, right? And so again, understanding ourselves, understanding you know, what we think of ourselves is so critical in how we interact with others. And finally, under this umbrella of, of unity, and again, we could pull more under, but <clears throat> for the sake of time, I just want to wrap with this one here. And this is the, it all leads to this, is simply it's be at peace with one another. Mark chapter 9, verse 50. Salt is good, 
This is Jesus speaking. But if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Be at peace with one another. I don't know about you, but I need more peace in my life. (laughs) And there is enough that wants to destroy us outside in the world. (laughs) There's an enemy that wants to destroy us. The last place we need is, is, is disunity in the church. And I want to be clear, church. I, I know that, that there are times when we're going to, we're going to disagree. <laughs> we're going to see things different. Can I tell you something? As long as it's not those, as I call them, close-handed things that we'll, those hills will die on, like who Christ is and everything else, the gospel message, most things are negotiable. Most things you can see kind of from either side, right? Did you know that? I'm giving you space to walk in that. Because that's what sharpens us. That's what, that's what makes us, again, the, the, the body, the church. And it's, it's what makes us beautiful as a church. Here's the mistake, and one thing I want to clarify, I think one of the most important things I need to clarify today as we're talking about unity is simply this. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is not uniformity. And I think a lot of times we, we, can, we can get off track a little bit or if we, if we think of unity that way because that's not what unity is. It's, it's really the furthest thing. I, some of you maybe heard of Eric Geiger. He was the author of Simple Church. And I came across this article, and he, he gave just kind of five thoughts on this unity and uniformity. And I just wanted to share them with you because I thought he just articulated it very well. First one is that there is a danger in confusing uniformity with unity. All right. Uh, A church with uniformity gathers people from kind of the same social economic structure and the same cultural background and same ethnicity and the same social aspirations. Right. So. What he's saying is, you know, a lot of times where this uniformity, it's, it's when you look out across the church and everybody's exactly the same, <laughs> right? And this was big. Let me just say this. In the Middle East, and understandably in some ways, because everybody's kind of drawn to what they know. So you would have, you know, all the Indians in Kuwait went to the Indian church. All the Nigerians in Kuwait went to the Nigerian church. You know, you're, you're British and you know, everybody else, your, your, your Americans went to that kind of church. Filipinos had their own church. And they would congregate together. And while in one sense I understand you want to feel that sort of connection, and I get that because you're in a different country in a different place, you want to be reminded of home. But that was the beauty, and that was, again, what we experienced in our church. We had, again, by the time we left, there was about 200 people. We had over 25 nationalities in that church. And when you look across the congregation, you would see just this beauty of different people from different places. And what's incredible even about here is even looking across this congregation, we see some of that. Considering, you know, I guess the demographic, you would say, of people that are just in this local area, we see, we see diversity in this congregation. And that's beautiful. Why? Because it's a, it's a witness to the people, again, outside of the church looking in. You see, there's, there's, uh, he goes on to say, um, and his next point is that there is tragedy in, tragedy in settling for uniformity. 
Because here's the deal. Uniformity does not require grace, but unity does. You understand that? Uniformity doesn't require, it's just like, no, we're all going to be the same. This is what you do. This is how you act, da, 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 da. But when we walk in unity, <laughs> you're going to have plenty of opportunity to discover if you can walk in grace or not. Some of you know, probably even right now in this moment, you know, maybe you're doing that. You're walking in grace towards someone else. And that's great. And that's beautiful, though. And that's a testimony, again, to the people looking at the church, which we are the church, not the building. Uh, his third point is God insists that his people live in unity, not in uniformity. He loves all people, created all people, died for all people, and is populating heaven with people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, right? According to Revelation uh, chapter 5. In fact, our unity is most pronounced when we are unified with people who are not like us because the source of our unity, Christ, is put on display. And this would happen, I've shared this before, but in that setting in the Middle East where we were, you know, when we would go to a restaurant or something and we walk in and everybody's trying to figure us out because we have Indians, Nigerians, Filipinos, you know, American, British, whatever, South Africans, you name it, it was there. And nowhere else would you see that in the country. Again, everybody congregated to their kind of their own kind, if you would, their own people. And so when people would ask, you know, what's, why, are, what, why are you guys together? You want to talk about the perfect lead-in to a, an opportunity to share? Let me tell you. It's really only one reason. Because I'll tell you, as the, the pastor of that church, it's not that we didn't have struggles and problems and difficulties. I'll tell you, it's probably more so. It's a harder road to walk, but the level of grace that you can experience and the beauty of it and how God moves through that is, is that's what eternity is, right, in heaven. <laughs> so, so I want to encourage us in that, that again, it's not uniformity we're looking at. Two more points he shared. There should be distinction in the body of Christ, but no division. Just as uniformity does not equate unity, distinction does not equate division. Understand? So, you know, you're not going to walk your thing and, and do your thing and, and where it's causing division. You know, you can be you, but it shouldn't be divisive by you being you. Does that make sense? So, again, understanding that that is what God is calling to when we're talking about this idea of unity. You know, the Apostle Paul told a diverse group of believers in Galatia that they were all one in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3, 27 through 28. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or and female. For you all are one in Christ Jesus. And that is what we have to be reminded of, be reminded of today. The Christian faith, it doesn't eliminate those distinctions but Christ's righteousness freely given transcended those, and it transcends those distinctions. So again, we are called to walk together in unity, regardless of our background, regardless of where we've come from, where we've lived, what kind of home we grew up in. We're all, we're all one in Christ Jesus. And the last point he shared is a church should long for unity, not uniformity. And he's, this is what he says. It says, the church should long to gather people who are different from one another. Unity, not uniformity, is a mark of a church's maturity. And so I believe, again, today God is calling us to be united, to be walking in unity. As the musicians begin to come and we begin to just wrap up our time here, this is what I want you to walk away with today, okay? 
I've kind of, we've laid out a lot. We've kind of walked through some scriptures, some places in the Bible, and just talked about some of these one another's that really are focusing in on unity. And we're going to be looking at some different places in the weeks ahead. But right now, today, it's really about being united in Christ. And this is what I want you to, to understand. It's a very simple phrase. It's super encouraging. But unity is not easy. Unity is not easy. It's not the easy road. All right? It's not. The easy road is for you to, well, probably be in a church by yourself, right? <laughs> That's the easiest. But God's not called us to that, has he? And I almost think that, you know, it's it, part of God's plan, part of God's design is to bring us into a church that we are with people that are not like us. Do you know why? <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, we all have those sharp edges and the more we sort of come, you know, in contact with each other, God's continuing to refine us. God's continuing to, 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 to smooth out some of those sharp places in us. And it's important. Have you guys ever uh, come across like the rolled glass that you find in the ocean? Anybody? I know we're not close to an ocean really, but it's incredible. Like I, I hadn't really heard of it because I didn't grow up by an ocean, but when I, we were in Kuwait, there was a lot of ocean there. And it was the coolest thing, you know, and, and our, some of our friends, they, would, they had jars, you know, where they, whenever they would be out walking the beach and they'd pick up this glass and you can pick it up and it's smooth as anything. No sharp edges. But you think about the process that it was going through <laughs> as the waves crash in, as it gets thrown and it's, it's coming against the sand and other rocks and other things and it slowly, it doesn't break, but it just becomes smooth and, and beautiful. And that's you. And that's me. And the only way that we can become like that is, is by this right here. <laughs> you know, when I say something that, I'm not talking about necessarily even from the pulpit. If it, if it offends you from the pulpit, you probably need to hear it. But, but when we're, you know, just hanging out or talking or something and I do something or say something and it, it rubs you the wrong way, you can either say, ah, Pastor Dell, and, you know, whatever, and walk off and go talk to 10 other people about me or we can talk through it, and maybe God's refining you in something. And can I just tell you this too? Even as your pastor, the pastor, this is my calling, this is my role, this is my, my call from God to be your pastor, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer just like you are. And I'm not perfect. And maybe you coming to me is gonna help to take off a sharp edge that I might have. And together we can, again, just become this beautiful creation. And when you see, it was such a cool, I, I almost, I wish I could get one or make one if we had an ocean, but the, the jars that they would fill, like our friends, and it was just all these colors and different shapes and sizes, and, but it made this beautiful creation together. That's the church. That's the picture of the church. And so again, unity is not easy, but it's, it's required. We're called to do it by, by the scripture, by God. We're, but and it's, can I just say this too? It's worth it. If you'll, if you'll stay in and you'll stay engaged and you'll go through the process and you'll, you'll stay a part of what's going on, it's worth it, as hard as it may be. As we heard today, it's vital to this body of believers that, that we walk in unity. We cannot experience true unity without God, without the Holy Spirit working through us. This is why, again, our world is, is in the place that it's in. We look around and we see what happens outside and now you can no longer just say something that goes against what that person thinks, right? And we're losing this, this idea where we can disagree but still be in relationship. <laughs> Aren't we? I mean, anybody else experienced that? I can say some trigger words up here if you want me to, but 
we'll get it going real quick. But it's true though, right? Like, well, don't talk about that. Or maybe when you get together with family, here are the five things you don't bring up <laughs> while we're together. One of them might be your faith. So again, understanding that that can't be the case here because why we have Christ that holds us together and we're not gonna be void of disagreement, accountability, or even conflict at times, but we're, we're gonna walk through it in love and understanding and we're gonna get to the other side, amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads and let's, let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, for your word. I thank you for, again, challenging us today, Lord, in this message of being united. And that unity only comes in Christ. And God, if we profess you with our lips, then we we have to walk this out, Lord, in our hearts and, and with the way that we are in relationship to one another. God, I thank you for this series as we continue in the weeks ahead to walk, walk this out and to hear and to be challenged, Lord God. And I pray that every person here in this room, including myself, that we're, we're doing inventories as we hear your word and, and be challenged, Lord. And when things come to mind, relationships come to mind that are not in the right place, God, I pray that, that we would surrender those to you, that we would commit to walk those out in love and unity, that we would be united, Lord, as a body. So God, we thank you, Lord, for the, again, the call on this church, Lord, to be a light to the world around us. And God, we pray that you will use us in a very mighty way to do so. God, we are grateful, Lord, that, that we can love others and we can walk with others and we can care for others. And we can do so in unity, Lord, because of the way that you first came to us and you, where you found us and how you saved us, Lord. So God, I pray that we always see others through the eyes of the way that you see them especially those within the body of Christ. God, we thank you for this time. I thank you for this message. And I pray, Lord, that again, our hearts have received your word, that we might be changed. In Jesus' name, amen.